The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Let me ask you something. You listening to us on AM 930? Or are you listening to us on FM 99.9 HD2? Or are you listening to us on podcast later on? Or are you listening to us on the live stream at www.wfmd.com? So many options. It's so confusing. So many places you can hear the truth. Used to say something, our introduction to the faith debate used to say something like, uh, you know, more truth you'll hear uh, in a half hour than you'll hear the whole rest of the week. <laughs> or something like that. You know, we were, we were trying to be modest. Because the truth is you're going to hear twice as much truth in a half hour and you're going to hear the whole rest of the week. Are you kidding me? Particularly today when we were just saying before we started uh, today's show how everybody's lying to everybody all the time about everything. <laughs> so this is the one place where you can actually get some truth, an oasis of truth. <laughs> anyway, Imran Razvi is on the panel again this week. He's uh, You can find some stuff out about him online at... Um, oh, I just slipped my head now. Conqueredbylove.org. I don't know why I have a mental block. Every once in a while I forget the name of his ministry. Concert, uh, Conquered by Love Ministries. Conqueredbylove.org is his website. Um, the Shabbat gathering uh, is represented here again today. Stephen Yerger is an elder there. And uh, Imran, of course, is uh, one of the pastors at uh, the church that meets in Imran's house in Thurmont, uh, Maryland. I'm the pastor of Household of Faith in Christ. We meet uh, in Frederick. You can find me online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. So we've kind of twisted and turned in a general sense around the connection of the Old Testament with the New and how the heresy of Marcionism has maybe still had an impact on the church even today, like 1,900 years after uh, Marcion was born, uh, things like that. We talked about the Sabbath a few weeks ago, which is all connected all into this too. And there is a another topic within that milieu that... Uh, fits that theme, but it could be a show or a string of shows all by itself, and that is the question of replacement theology. Now, this is one of the most dogged fights that you can enter into in an intramural sense in the church today. There are there are a handful of topics that you can say that about, and this is one of them. And in my experience, one of the reasons for that is that replacement theology is so often mischaracterized. So maybe if nothing else, this show will be an education for you to come to a true and proper understanding of what it is, what is meant by re- replacement theology and what is meant by uh, those who reject replacement theology, but support something that people call replacement theology and get all that clarified. So I'm going to take a stab. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Generally speaking, in layman's terms, replacement theology would be an idea that says that the church, which was founded in the New Testament era with the coming of Christ and and, uh, the sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that the church replaces the people of God in the Old Testament. That is what somebody like me actually gets accused of believing and teaching. And I reject it wholeheartedly. I reject the accusation. Uh, I, I reject, I, I, am, uh, I embrace that replacement theology understood that way is an accurate way of understanding what is meant by replacement theology, but I reject replacement theology. So, 
That's my simple way of trying to explain it, but you can add some nuance or correct me where you think I got it wrong. Either one of you guys. And Ron, Steve, who wants to go first? Stephen's okay. going first. Uh, there's a scripture in Ephesians 2. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Remember that you were once separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you were formerly were far off and been brought near by the blood of Christ. So, basic replacement theology, one of the tenets of their uh, statement is that the church has replaced Israel. Uh, Israel forfeited uh, their place in God's plan because they rejected Messiah. And then, of course, because they rejected Messiah, God cast them away, and now the church has all the promises, all the inheritance, and all the uh, blessings that are were to be attributed to Israel now as the church. Yeah, and so there are some major theological flaws in that, in my view. There's also some huge category errors, uh, you know, philosophically, argumentatively speaking. It totally misses the boat. Uh, and so I, I think this could be helpful. It looks like you were leaning in a little bit too, Imran. Do you have something you wanted to add? <laughs> There's so much to say yeah. in so little time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first of all, you're, you're basically saying that God made a mistake. He chose the Israel. He chose that people and he made a mistake. He doesn't make mistakes, okay? That's that's number one. Number two is it's very clear in Scripture that uh, Jesus said he came for his people, the Jews. And when that, he's speaking to that lady that's, that's trying to get uh, healed, and uh, she said, well, even the dogs get the crumbs off the master's table. So she was obviously not of Jewish descent, and uh, he, Jesus is arguing that I came for the Jewish people. Well, why would he come for the Jewish people if they don't matter anymore? If they don't exist, if, if the, the new church is where everything is. So this replacement theology is so flawed in so many ways, it's ridiculous. And then another one is it clearly says that we are, as Gentiles, we are grafted in to the root. The root is not taken out and a new tree planted. That would be replacement. That would be, hey, the church is now planted. The, the old uh, tree you know, dried up and didn't have any fruit, so we took it out. We tore it out. And Jesus very clear says he did not tear out the root. He grafted us in. So there's so many flaws. It's just like, I, yeah, it's, how can you even believe that? I think that the attack, well, you're, I'll let you go first, Stephen. Go ahead. Uh, just Paul says right out the gate in Romans 11, verse 1, he says, I say then, has God, has God not rejected his people? Has he? May it never be. For I'm an Israelite. Yeah, I think that part of the, the, the stirring up of the controversy and why it becomes such a, you know, a dagger-throwing contest sometimes if, if people aren't careful is there's a fundamental error that is made on, on another side uh, that then accuses somebody like me. And I'm not sure exactly where you guys are. We might be in the exact same place. We'll find out before the show is over. Uh, they will accuse me of being a replacement theologian because I'll say that uh, there's one people of God and when and that we could in certain contexts and Paul does it we could use uh, the 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 word Israel and the word church interchangeably and they say oh so you're saying the church replaced Israel no not at all I'm saying that what we now call the church using New Testament language um, 
is grafted into the Old Testament covenant people, which we would call Israel. And some of those who were Israel weren't really Israel, Paul says, because they were branches that are broken off. But if they're broken off, they can be engrafted back in to that same root, to use uh, Imran's point. So we're not replacing anything. But they're saying, oh, well, you're saying the, the church and Israel are the same, so therefore, and there's only one people of God, and the Israel was the Old Testament people of God, and the church, so you must be saying, no, I must not be saying. You, somehow you can't get it through your head, and you think that I must be saying, but I'm not. And I think part of this ties into, again, your Martianism. I haven't studied this out, so I'm going to look this up, but it's interesting that Martianism and its connection to dispensationalism is a fascinating thing that I've never uh, never thought about before. And if that's true, that's, that is a fascinating connection for me. And I think that the dispensational view, and I know the majority of American uh, professing Christians are dispensational in this age, so I'm going to anger some people today. But I think the dispensationalists... So our audience will go down from 5 to 1? Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll go from 1 to negative 5. No, no uh, Actually, I don't, I don't have access to the numbers anymore, but I used to have access. And, and based on the numbers I used to see, we have several thousand people who listen to this show. So hopefully that's still the case. I don't know. Now we have several thousand people that are angry listening yeah, to the show. But I, think that, I, I don't think that dispensationalism has done us any favors, biblically speaking. God doesn't have two people. He has one people. He has one chosen people. And in the Old Testament, they went under the moniker post-Jacob uh, post and his descendants of Israel— but here, here's something that gets people scratching their heads. Abraham wasn't part of Israel the way that they want to argue about the people of God. Yeah. Right? He's the, he's the grandfather of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that mean? Anyway, so I'm, I wonder if I, I used to say I'm about fulfillment theology. Christ comes and fulfills the theology that's pointed to in the Old Testament. But that still never seems to satisfy and disarm those bandits who want to come after me. So I've been trying to train myself to use better language. And the, the phrase I'm liking now is I subscribe to ingrafting theology. What do you guys think about that? Well, that's kind of what I talked about. We're grafted in. It's the same tree, same people. But even as a label, like, do you think that that's got stickiness? you think that, that we, we could get people to start talking about ingrafting theology? Well, it'll get you thinking right about Romans 11 because there's an, a, an actual definition of what you're using, and maybe that's your point. But I think part of the whole aspect of replacing somebody is, uh, especially when you look at the spirit behind it, um, it seems like the world, uh, in the negative sense, constantly has tried to get rid of the Jew because there's a promise that if all the Jews were exterminated off the face of the earth, I'm paraphrasing, basically God would be a liar because God promises he'll always have a remnant. So this whole equation gets back to what has God said? What has God promised? Uh, and that's where you have to do your testing, and that's where you have to go in and say, where when it says no. forever. Now, you it's interesting the way you put that, though. Are you saying that the remnant must be ethnically Jewish, at least one person who's ethnically Jewish for there to be a remnant? I'm saying the people of God, there are scriptures, and I'd have to take a little time to try to look it up because I wasn't prepared to swing this way, uh, 
in this particular statement, but I've some in the scriptures I've read that the people of God, the, 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 the people of Israel, God's promise to his people, if they were ever extinguished, they that would put God at, at a false place because it, it, it right. says he's being a liar. So, but that's my point, though. That's why I'm wondering, because my point is, yes, but I'm God's people. You're God's people. Yeah. Because, we're, we're Israel. Well, who is Israel? See, part all of, of God's pe- All of God's people are Israel. Right. And all of God's of, people are the church. We didn't call them that in the Old Testament, but I'm just as fine saying that Jacob, who had his name changed to Israel, that he's part of the church. Well, what is the church? It's ecclesia. What is ecclesia? Congregation. Right. It's a gathering of God's people. Exactly. Yes, but I, I think also there is an actual... Um, <clears throat> and Jewish. Christ is alive, by the way. So even if every physical Jew were to die on the planet today, he's still Jewish. He's still Jewish, and he's still alive. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and also, uh, Paul also talks about in Romans that the guy in Romans chapter three he says to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. And there's also a scripture, and I'll paraphrase it out of the Gospels, and where Jesus said, "I have not come but for the lost sheep of Israel." In that context, in that statement, yeah, I think, a, I think, that's I think a temp- he's talking about all of, you know, in the purposes of God. I think it, that's a temporal statement. Well, right? it's, it's, it's a temporal ordering. It's, well, it's it, in time. I, I'm just saying it's that. not that God loves the ethnic Jew more than he no, loves the. No, he doesn't the, because both the ethnic Jew and the non ethnic Christian. You, you're still going to have I mean, non ethnic Jew Christian. I mean, if the, the ethnic Jew, if they don't believe in Messiah, they have problems. If the Gentile doesn't believe in Messiah, they have problems. Right. Same problems. So we have to both come, you know, uh, we were driving down in the car here to the, to the show that the Jew, if they reject Messiah, there's, there's issues. There's consequences. There's consequences. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And at the same time, the church can't reject the whole word of God either. And because there's consequences with that too. So we have to allow the scriptures to speak on the topic. And first of all, replacement theology, I don't even think you can even find that in the scriptures. You can't even find the word dispensationalism in the scriptures. Right. Anybody that actually subscribes to replacement theology is wrong. The part that's frustrating for me is when I make a statement like, well, the church is Israel, Israel is the church, then I get falsely accused of being a replacement theologian. And I couldn't reject replacement theology any more stridently than I do. Yeah, but you've already clearly stated that the reason you are Israel is because you were grafted into the tree of Israel. Exactly. You Uh, weren't Israel before then, and you are because you're not part of that tree. But I'm sure, I can't be the only one. I'm sure you've had these conversations with people, and they don't hear you. Oh, but they say... They will not hear you. They've sinned. They've been cut (laughs) off. They've been broken off, but they don't read the next verse that they can be grafted back in again if they believe. I mean... Yeah, but I, I still, to the question you asked earlier, I still believe, I absolutely believe that there is an a- actual ethnic Jewish remnant that will always be there. So there is no way that all Jews will ever be exterminated or all Jews will be lost. There will always be a remnant because God said there will always be a remnant. And that's the remnant of the chosen people, but we are grafted in and become part of the chosen people, but there's still going to be a remnant of the ethnic Jew. That's my belief. I think that's going beyond what Scripture says, though. Well, go to right? Romans 3, then. Because once we're grafted in, then we're part of the tree. And so... And so no, it, we're, we're part of God's people, but we're not 
of the original chosen that, that it's going to have a remnant because he said that there will be a remnant of Israel's or Judah's children and descendants. We're, we're not Judah's descendants, but we're grafted in to be of the same tree. We're related now. But to the point that Abraham, he said, look at the stars and count the sand of the sea. Your descendants are going to be right out, out of that. So, I mean, in that whole plan of, of what's going on, it's, it's an amazing thing. So here, Romans chapter 3, verse 1 says, What advantage has the Jew? Or what benefit is of circumcision? Which is another way of calling the Jewish uh, people. Great in every respect. First of all, they were entrusted with the oracles of God, or the Torah. And in even their unbelief, they have preserved the Torah through the millennium. And that's part of what I think Ravi's talking about, that there's promises, even in their unbelief, God is preserving a people group all the way to, to the end. But they have, in Romans 9, 10, and 11, it says they have to come to Messiah. They have to. It's, it's not like you get a free ride because you're Jewish and you're circumcised, okay? You don't get the free ride. And so it's, it's something that that everything that was written in the Old Testament scriptures, it every aspect of everything, through the Torah, through the tabernacle, through the ark, through everything, it all pointed to Jesus. It, it just, it did. Yeah. And also in Revelation, it's saying that the, the children of Israel will come back to Israel from all parts of the wor- world. It's not talking about Christians or saved people. It's talking about the actual descendants, the Jewish descendants from all over the world will start coming back to Israel in the end times. And we're seeing that happen right now. There's so much immigration of Jews that are coming back to Israel from literally all parts what, of the What world. passage specifically are we referencing I'll there? read it right now. Okay. What, and, and cite it. What's the citation? Yeah, Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant what I will make with the house of Israel after these days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart and write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord." For they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I'll remember them. I will remember it no more. So, so that's a promise to Israel. That's a promise to to Israel. And I'm Israel, so it's a promise to me. Well, this in context is talking about what He is going to do. Present tense. Right, because they were taken out of captivity, saying they'll come back out of activity, which is a picture of the the ultimate fulfillment that's going to come for the entirety of God's people. So I'm just continuing to read on here because it says, uh, I'll continue. It says, then says the Lord, who gives the sun by light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars in light by night, who stars up the who stirs up the seas and that its waves roar. And the Lord of hosts is his name. And if this fixed order departs before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel will also cease and from being a nation before me forever, says the Lord. If the heavens can be above be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off the offspring of Israel. So there's a real point here that all of what is existing here today is why Israel is going to exist. 
in its ethnic sense and also in its spiritual sense. But even Jesus Christ himself is not a pure-blood Jew. Negative. If you read the genealogy, there are some non-Jews in the genealogy. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. So he's not a pure-blood. Well, he's... So even those people in the genealogy are grafted in. And that even shows all the promise more to the grafting in of the Gentiles. I mean, look at look at uh, the harlot on the roof that let the spies in. I mean, the lineage right. of David goes through. Right, exactly. Um, Ruth and we got some others. But anyway. I think that part of the challenge um, that we're having in our context, not, not necessarily in this conversation, although maybe, but more broadly is we're talking about the dispensational view where they, there's, there's this parenthesis that takes place where God has a plan for Jewishes, the Jewish people, and then that's put on pause during the church age, which we're in now. And then at the very end of time, there's going to be this return back to paying attention to the Jews. And so I think that has led to some of the problems of people discounting and not paying attention to the Jews now because it's not their time now. It was their time. It will be again, but it's not now. That's, and I'm not saying that either because yeah. I, I, I don't You're subscribe not a to Yeah, I don't subscribe to that. So, Yeah, there's a do a word search on the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom. And look at the different scriptures that you're going to come up and how the context is used. And that's quite interesting. Now, I'm not sure if he's uh, looking up something important uh, that he wants to share. Or? You asked me, you know, the references to where be, uh, the Jewish people are coming back to the homeland. I was trying to find that. And I'm so sorry. Go ahead. But I think all those land promises, I think those are all pointing to the ultimate fulfillment. Because if we look at the, the fullness of the biblical narrative, we've got. God creates everything, and he puts Adam and Eve in the garden, and then they screw it up, and so they're cast out of the garden. But then the, later on, we keep reading the Bible, and we see about there's the, the line of the seed of the woman who's going to, you know, uh, be protected so that the, 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 the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. That's Christ. Uh, but in the midst of all that, then we get this picture of the temple, which is built with all this beautiful garden imagery, which is a, a conceptually is taking us back to the Garden of Eden— but also taking us forward to future glory with a renewed heavens and earth, a new Jerusalem kind of a thing. And then Christ comes as the fulfillment of all of that. All, he is all in all. He is the, the, the perfect fulfillment of each and every aspect of that. It has its full expression in and through him. And then we all enter into that in glory when everything is renewed. And the land, pro- again, what we were talking about a few weeks ago with the Sabbath, I think we think too smallly about this, too, way too narrow terms on this. The land promise isn't about just some little strip of land on the Mediterranean Sea. It's about everything being made back the way it's supposed to be. And we inherit all of that because Christ is king over all of that. And we inherit or co-heirs with him. We inherit with him everything that is his and the whole planet is his. The whole universe is his. I think we've got to think bigger than we do. So... That's how I see those promises. That, oh, they're going to they're going to return to land. Of course, they're going to return and get a renewed land in Christ. That's well, how I, I see it. I kind of think there's also we, if you look at uh, the latter part of the uh, Revelation, it it I think John and also in Ezekiel, they're told to measure the temple, and I mean, the of all the, the kingdoms that was in ancient Israel, I think Solomon's kingdom had the most land. 
Is that a fair assessment to say that he had he had the largest amount of all of Israel's of kings? Of all of Israel's kings. He, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, because it fell apart right after. Right. But <laughs> the so. amount of that land um, and the amount of land it's going to take for the, the uh, New Jerusalem to sit on is quite immense. And I don't exactly have the number or the scripture right now. It's like the size of, of Texas. It's huge. So, <laughs> but I think it's figurative, though. I, I think it's 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 talk. I think the point there is the immensity, not the exact measurements. I think the point is it's just it's huge, larger than the mind can even comprehend. I think that's where that's where I go. That's where I think we should well, go. I'll I'll, like I'll stay with the scriptures on it, and it just seems like it's, you know, it says fifteen hundred by fifteen hundred by fifteen hundred by fifteen hundred square square mile. I mean, it's it's huge. It's, right, it's it's an immense amount of of, well, of land. I've got twenty seconds left, so we're going to have to leave well, on on that rather. Well, way. Isaiah forty three verse five and six talks about uh, the people right. from all over the world come back. Look that up later. That's your assignment for next week. Imran Razvi, Stephen Yerger, I'm Troy Skinner. This is the Faith Debate on News Radio nine thirty WFMD. Till next week, God bless.